Do you talk about the podcast in therapy? I do not. Not even this time when you're directly. No, I'm directly uh, skirting that question, (laughs) batting it away (laughs) with (laughs) vigorous gestures. Because you, because maybe you are talking about it in therapy. (laughs) I do not. No, I do not talk about the the podcast in therapy. You think that's like? I'm not saying it's a huge topic. I mean, yeah. Today, you're literally going straight to record the podcast. You're you're not like, hey, um, you know, here's what we're planning. I've got, I need some more feedback. What do you think about that? Like, what what questions would you ask? No, I was actually having her help me draft an email. Oh, for um. uh, for something else. <laughs> See, yeah, <laughs> I get it. She's helping you with other business correspondence. brought up the since Ursula de Guin de, oh it's okay I'm I getting used to it yeah I'm gonna make a flip probably. yeah Ursula yeah. de is it de Guin Le Le Guin Le Guin I think right didn't I say that I think you said de Guin did I which is cool alright de Guin um since she passed so recently yeah. and she has has made appearances in several of your works um how how long have you been interested in her writing? Oh, um, well, so let me just frame this by the fact that I am not a science fiction geek. I did not come at the project from the space of like some kind of fanaticism about a genre that I have spent a lot of my life invested in. Uh, in fact, I would say that I'm... For the greater part of science fiction, not that interested in it. Um, so when I started this project, um, was the sort of the impetus for actually getting into the genre. Now that might seem like, well, why the fuck are you getting into the genre if <laughs> if you don't have like this long-standing um, investment in it? Um, but I would say it's it's similar for me to um, how. Community Action Center started, which was with, uh, you know, with A.L. Steiner and 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 uh, thinking through um, the genre of pornography. So it's not that I go around watching a ton of pornography and, you know, have this long invested relationship to it. But I think as a cultural phenomenon, it uh, it related to it relates to so many. Mm, I socio-political positioning of especially for women and queer bodies right so it just seemed like i had had this thing in the back of my mind that i wanted to do a porn for a long time i had no idea why i had never made a film i don't know anything about it like so i have a tendency to walk towards things like "Eh, i don't know anything like i'm gonna go do that (laughs) kind of be like an amateur in a way or like something outside really great hack um (laughs) So, um, and, and this really came on the heels of community action center where it kind of, as soon as that kind of was wrapping up, I, I think before it was even wrapping up, I was like science fiction. I was like, I it kind of, 
it kind of set off something in me where I was like, I'm really interested in the genre to begin with as a form. And the way it gives you, it gives you a lot of meat to push up against. Um, and, um, and I'm interested in tropes and all of these kind of the, the, he- the heaviness, the bluntness of a lot of that stuff yeah. and the way it shapes us culturally. Um, and it, it also, it's a lot of fun because it gives you a lot of room to actually not do the thing. Like when you're working with a genre, it's really, my interest is in like finding the edges of a genre. Like when does it almost not become that? Yeah. And I really don't care if the final work sits in the genre when it's done. Yeah. And there is always debate about whether CAC was a porn or art or and people wanted to always debate this. And I was like... <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure it matters. Yeah. But you, um, it's, it's hard to imagine someone like thinking that as like a, what do you think that is? Like as a, as a question for people? Um, well, I mean, it's this larger question that people always want to define things, yeah. which is of course why the genre is interesting to me. Totally. Yeah. Cause I'm always interested in like kind of the un- undefining and the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the spaces that, um, you know, whatever I live in my body and I don't, whatever gender, all of these things are always, I'm like, how did I end up here? And why is it like that? You know, I'm, I confront it on a daily basis. So for me, it's, it's a very, uh, it's like, a, it's like, it is a material yeah, conceptually, but like physically, you know, um, I feel like I tangented there, but, um, well, it's funny because the, the genre itself is sort of, I mean, I think in your statement at some point, maybe it was this Mary spot, um, there was a mention of sort of an interest in uh, sci-fi because of a desire to deconstruct it. And the, the genre itself is already about deconstructing on some level or about sort of subverting mm-hmm. notions. So kind of subverting the subversion and also exposing how even within this very, you know, kind of out there genre, there are tropes, there are identifiable mm-hmm. tropes that you can kind of work with and unpack. Yeah. And I, I think like, um, the, with science fiction, um, my impulse was, I really just wanted, I wanted an excuse for politics and fantasy, like just to play with those two kind of spaces. And with CAC, it was like human sexuality and like the imaging of that, you know? So it's, it's that the genre actually is already built for that kind of yeah. thinking. And um, porn has like an element of fantasy in it. Yeah, I was as just well. thinking oh, that totally. that's such yeah. an obvious leap if you want to entwine politics and not obvious in a bad way, but obvious no, yeah. in like a lo- logical. Well, I think cinema in general, I mean, unless you're going documentary, yeah. you're kind of always dealing with some element of the fantastical. Um, but I also, you know, part of the, the kind of science fiction that I love. It, you know, it's more like Liquid Sky or like, I don't know if you've seen Flaming Ears, which no. is, I'm going to forget the directors. It's three women, German. They may not actually all identify as women. I shouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> I to double check that. <laughs> yeah. Fact check that before we put it online. <laughs> well, and we'll, well, you've uh, already prefaced it, so I think we're safe. <laughs> um, also, I think from... I think it's early 90s. I think Liquid Sky is 80s, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, but a lot of the, I mean, it's just, I mean, or or even like Grace Jones, of course. You know, there's yeah. just, for me, there's, uh, um, and I think, 
even within pornography, like some of my favorite cinema is like Pink Narcissus, which is like, is that it's pornographic content to a certain degree, but really what I'm interested in is the, the elaborateness yeah. of that. Everything kind of around the... Yeah, like and yeah. so, and, and I would also say like, um, Ulrika Ottinger's work, you know, in terms of, she has like a really rich palette for costuming yeah, and aesthetics, like aesthetics are really heavily invested in. And it's interesting because I actually don't get, I don't actually get into super elaborate costumes. Yeah, Ultimately, but I was it's... gonna say so. If if, if Community <laughs> but, Action Center is like the first film project that you were saying that you sort of did, like how do you when you kind of start to approach like actually making the film between that work and these kind of later? I mean, the uh, science fiction project, right, which has kind of been a multi-year uh, thing, right, or at least kind of a few uh, across like a few uh, a few it's shows, like five years into it, I think. Yeah, and and do they? It, yeah, so maybe so like how do you kind of just like when you're thinking of costuming or how to even put together actors or things like how, how does that, that approach sort of shift? Okay. Um, do, do we want to go back to Ursula or do we want to just leap forward? Well, to let's go back to Ursula co- then. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't tell how interested you were. In, in <laughs> no, Ursula I actually, anyway. I, I yeah. felt like I digressed, but I wanted to preface it with like, uh, I don't, I feel a little bit fraudulent. Like I'm not like, I just want to be clear that where, yeah. where I'm coming at it from. I mean, not fraudulent, but you know, so it became more a, an act of, research when I took on the genre yeah which was the same as por- with the porn project it was like oh then we have to watch a lot of porn yeah, yeah. that's what I always say yeah yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> um and so you know I got into a, uh, some uh like much more obscure like kind of separatist 70s science f- feminist science fiction mm-hmm. um like Johanna Roos probably being the most well-known of that genre um, and, you know, I found that interesting enough, but a lot of it, um, sort of didn't compel me as, as kind of like text that I'm like, I love these texts yeah. so much. Um, it's interesting. Of co- I mean, it's, um, I love, of course, hearing a, a fantasy of, you know, radical separatism and the possibilities for how that would play out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's also like a lot of that work from that period is is really um, a second second wave feminism, very binary. Right. Um, Whereas like with Le Guin, it's, there's like a lot of ambiguity. In right. Way. Like, so then we kind of move forward into these, what have become, I think, the more popular alt genre of <laughs> of science fiction, where we have Delaney and Octavia Butler yeah, and right. Ursula K. Le Guin and stuff like that. And of course, you know, as I got into that stuff, I was like, right, this is my world. And there's a reason that so many of probably I'm, I'm not alone yet in no, that I mean, as a uh, a point of interest and i think also because it's it's not kind of science fiction in the in the like um dune uh star warsy right kind of way which to me um or even i like to use 2001 space odyssey as an example of like especially in terms of the filmic genre where there's this notion about the future that everything is like high tech and everything's on spaceships and like, yeah, you know, you've got the alternate planets and like everything. Uh, it's not that society has resolved itself in any way, but it's, it's like my sense is that like when the spaceships come, it's going to be like, there's going to be the rich people who get to escape and the rest of us are going to be scrapping around for like totally. the crap that's left here on earth. And I'm much more interested in what it means to like 
have to exist with the kind of uh, resource depletion that, you know, humans. Yeah. Post-apocalyptic. Yeah. Or like most of us, if you have an iPhone, but you don't, you can't fix it or you, you can't afford to fix it. It's yeah, like, yeah. You know, the like, bro- everyone has like a broken screen. Oh, totally. Right. <laughs> to me, that's like iconic of a state of affairs that we exist in, which is like, we have this like incredible technology, but we, the, we can't afford to maintain the physical space that it requires, yeah. that it requires. Like I, so this like flashy notion of the future is really kind of, it's kind of the counterpoint that I'm working from. Yeah, totally. Um, so in terms of like the genre itself, that those those are some some places where I started to develop the aesthetic. There's also like a narrative um, quality to the work that you're talking about, uh, responding to maybe that like where you know people tend to get like lost and you know say Star Wars or 2001 kind of like style science fiction mm-hmm. where there's like a coherent world that like seems designed to like create desire or something and you know oh, yeah. certainly young people and and I feel like in some of the other works maybe you're talking about also there's like kind of a more like broken sort of narrative quality that like actually like uh allows one to uh like reflect on one's current kind of position or like they all they seem to be much more clearly like ways to like consider yeah the current state of things or like like Mm -hmm. possible other relations between people rather than like a escapist kind of um quality right yeah um i also think that technology tends to be it's not always, but a big driving feature. And it's, it, I kind of intentionally, and especially because I think then there's so many people who aren't even inherently working the science fiction genre right now, but for whom technology is a big subject yeah. also. Um, and actually, I kind of very intentionally am not, like the films are not about, like technology shows up in funny little ways. Yeah. But it's, it's really not the um, theme of interest. Like, because I also just think there's a kind of predictable narrative where it's like, either you're building technology to sort of, for convenience and to solve all these problems, and there's this sort of glorification of the, of technology, but it inevitably kind of collapses in, like, the dystopic space always emerges as like, of course, yeah, totally. technology is not the answer to things. And of course... I guess I'm like, we know that narrative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, what other parts of existence can we discuss? I think about how much more that, nature like appears. I mean, in, in the films as, as opposed to technology, like, you know, or like as a kind of stand in for those sorts of fantasy. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 And I think that the, the um, well, and I think this maybe leads into what you're talking about also with narrative. Yeah. Where I don't care about narrative. Yeah, totally. No, no, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I have no interest. Like, for a lot of people, when they say they're going to do a science fiction work, there's a, it, like, narrative. Like, porn people are like, no, we don't need a narrative. Yeah. Um, or <laughs> I mean, they, they <laughs> it wasn't so radical that <laughs> David's like, hold on. <laughs> sure, yeah. Often it shows up, unfortunately. But, like, I think there's a sense that, like, the the demand for that it's funny i think people have an expectation when i say science fiction they're like okay so what's the arc of this like queer fantasy place that you're gonna make and i'm like um no i'm interested in kind of metaphysical relations Mm -hmm. of beings of all kinds and of um 
what it means to occupy space and land and, you know, to even rethink the moment of building a territory, Mm -hmm. you know, like I just, I actually want to go back to like really kind of simple notions and it doesn't actually matter what time we're in. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. totally. Um, so I also don't, I, I always say it's a parallel now in terms of like the time. The like fiction is of it. Well, the t- like if you have to pick a time frame that exists in. Yeah. Because I, I, I believe these characters, they don't, they're not from the past. They don't carry these kind of archetypes of some historical narrative. Right. And then they also, I'm not, you know, dressing them up with the kind of elaborateness of this kind of future space. Right. I'm, right. They're very much like, Sometimes they're clothed in odd things, but nothing that seems like any more than someone with a little bit of eccentricity right. in the in the now. It's very like theatrical in that in that way, kind of. Right. Yeah. And that makes sense that if you're moving away from construction, you wouldn't necessarily be incredibly keen on making it, you know, a narrative-driven production. Yeah. It also might be that I just. I guess I could figure out how to do that, but I have I have like literally no impulse for it. <laughs> Uh, I like I also when I work I don't um, I don't um, storyboard oh, right it was sort of essential if you're gonna have a, a narrative um, maybe just for people who haven't like seen this project like could, could you just sort of talk like about like so this, the it uh, expressed itself in like a series of videos across um, like a, a show or two like a few shows um, just to explain the yeah, larger just like, project. Just generally so that people like get, you know. Okay, so like... the larger project is titled Negative Space. Yeah. I can explain what that philosophically means for me if you need me to. But I'm going to jump ahead and say that it's become a five-part work. Yeah. Um, which is taking the form of sort of large-scale video installation, each of the five works. And um, so far they've been multi-channel. The first one had four channels it's three primary channels and a sort of extra channel for credits um and then most recent one had two channels um and then they're they're centered around subjects that for me surfaced as i was kind of building this world um or i guess through all kind of i'd have to get into a lot of different things to get into the layers of research and things that influence this but um five subjects kind of came to surface, which was land, body, water, um, land, body, water, the sun, the sun, thank you. And the void. And the sun actually was power. Um, but it kind of, it became, the sun kind of came out of, um, starting to think about how, um, a a multi, a a serial work could be organized Mm. in, uh, I'm going to use air quotes, feminist, (laughs) manner as in I didn't want to have to number them one through five I didn't want to impose order in that way on it yeah (laughs) so there's a kind of there's a lot of kind of holistic things about what I'm doing where I'm I'm thinking so the sun then became a way to organize um thinking about it like a solar system so interesting okay so a smeary spot is the sun slash power Mm. chapter um and it's the chapter that kind of lays out a network of ideas like through there's a there's this uh, half of the film takes place in a black box theater and in the black box theater the um um performers 
sort of recite these excerpts of text, which basically were just me gleaning all my research. It, to be honest, I was overwhelmed by my the project I had laid out. And I was yeah. like, I don't even know how to fucking start this thing. So the first thing to do was to just kind of like, kind of pull some of these highlights and they started to make sense and piece together as some kind of larger text when I extracted them. And I start to, I I kind of, I call it a manifesto at times, but it's not, not in a like directive kind of way that a manifesto might be, but it lays out a neck, like I said, a network of ideas. Right. And it's sort of as a collage from primary sources or like a theoretical text and some like other kinds of, yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. And, um, and that was because I was just like, I, I have too much shit in my head about this. And I kind of was like, I, I, it was almost kind of like the, the dumbest approach I could come to, which was not the dumbest, <laughs> but just like the most direct line of like, I, I just need to, um, I need to get all this kind of theory or um, thinking stuff out so, so that I can actually just make images. Yeah. In a way, so that whole te- that text that holds that work together, um, like I said, set- sets out this network of ideas that then play out in different ways in the other five chapters, mm. and and um, and so I think of all the other chapters kind of always refer back to Smeary Spot, and it's but not so much that they all have to refer like they they can be their own planets right. essentially. Do they, and do right. they have text as well? Like but they're, they're all influenced by, because right. like, the sun, so, and there's a cir- there's more of a circular They're in that gravity uh, hole. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're in the gravity hole of the first one. <laughs> or like the, oh, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, oh, no, just, uh, David, you had brought up the idea of collage. It's interesting to think about, like, if you're literally taking citations of text that you're interested in and kind of moving them physically through space via mm. the performers who are reciting them and then you mm. get to kind of not manipulate but you know see how they play out within yeah and then I'm also wasn't sort of responsible for a narrative arc in that way um and what so the way that I could form a scene then would be well at least the ones that take place in the theater where the text is happening is I was making decisions about material objects like objects performer set of gestures and a text and so the meaning for me happens in that interaction Mm -hmm. and which is also like I often talk about um, I I get pulled in and and thought about a lot as like a film or video person and I'm like I I actually don't care about film video I don't care about narrative I don't care about I don't know how to make any of it I'm actually I think of myself as a sculptor I just happen to be making videos interesting so for me it's like if I had to pick a genre, of course, yeah. like I think it doesn't maybe matter, but it's it's a kind of thinking that's um, much more about the physicality of things, or even that language is material, um, and therefore its relation to these other set of physical properties mm-hmm. uh, engenders a kind of diff- a opening in the meaning potentially. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. But then, so when you're like working with actors and that kind of like, how does that, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm sort of interested in like how the actual filming process sort of goes or what your kind of relationship to the um, sort of performance as it and is. And we're talking specifically in a smeary spot yeah, in the absolutely. black yeah, box yeah. theater scene. Yeah. Because so, um, there's different, I would say there's different modes. Right. Different Let's start with parts. the sun, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's similar in a way, but there's... Um, 
Yeah, those are kind of some of the most highly constructed scenes I've ever done in a work. Yeah. In a way, because like, if we go back to Community Action Center, like, that work was like generated with these conversations with the performers and they're using their bodies and they're putting it online. They're putting their bodies on on the line in a way of like exposing themselves. So there had to be, there was never an interest in being like, well, we're directing this scene and now you're going to um, fuck so-and-so like this. And right. this is like, what's going to happen like that. There wasn't possible or there was no logic in making a feminist porn that was, had this kind of top down. Totally. Um, programmatic agenda um so and that has in many ways informed how i've moved forward as a director thinking about what it means to uh work in that work with performers work with other people in that way so um it's not that i i did not sit down and have conversations with people about what they wanted to do in a scene but um i definitely i I is a kind of form of soft directing in the sense that I I have, there's the script, there's the given site of the black box theater for these scenes. There's um, whoever I've chosen to perform that. The What they're wearing, there's a lot of different stories about how the characters are developed. Maybe we can do that next. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> um, you make it easy. You think one segue ahead. Yeah, like let's do one thing at <laughs> yeah, a time. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so there's the text, the per, the performer, uh, the objects. Um, so let's say like, um, has, um, having a brain fart. Um, the scene with, I don't know which scene I want to, I was going to talk about the lipstick scene, but I'm having a brain fart about the performer's yeah. name. Oh, well, that's okay. We can cut it out. Oh, my God. Should we take a break and figure it out? It's fucking, it's Lena Dunham's sister. With the oh, Grace. 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 Sure. Simon? Yeah, it's, but she's, she's now going by Simon. Yeah. They're, they're, oh. going, they're going uh-huh. by Simon. Sorry. Cool. <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> Wait, so just to clean, so Simon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Simon. Yeah. In the scene where, <laughs> with Simon with the lipstick, um, and the, let's take it back to Ursula K. Le Guin, the, yeah. the quote from the beginning of The Dispossessed. Um, about the wall and um, so it's funny a lot of things come to me from really disparate spaces but it's like I I actually had been out at a party and and Simon was there and I think it also just shaved their head and I don't there was just they were just kind of running around and I don't know. And then they came back and they had lipstick on it. And I had never seen Simon with lipstick on. And I, I was just like, oh, my God, you look amazing with lipstick. And, you know, we're sort of just like hanging out and like yeah. chatting. And this was probably several weeks before I was doing a shoot, I think maybe even a month or so. But it like it's like this thing that just stuck in the back of my mind, the lipstick. And then as I was like calling this thing with the wall text and I was like, oh, there's something really beautiful about the line of the lipstick and the material, mm. the materiality of like the lips and also the gen, the way that I think Simon holds gender yeah. in their body and a lot of things um, that, and, and, you know, of course the Le Guin quote is about the ambiguity of divisive spaces or walls and like that, you know, we see them often we talk about the wall as a real like 
cutting. Yeah. Um, and I, the quote is really beautiful because it opens up that notion of what that is. So the material gesture thing kind of comes out of like I, I'm often just picking up weird experiences and things get funneled into the work yeah. in that way. Um, but also speaks to the performance being people you have a I do have to have a kind of a intimacy with. I yeah. think it's, uh, it has seemed to be an important thing for me. I mean, I was very struck looking through the credits list of, um, of a lot of the videos, just how much of a community. I mean, I sort of am aware, you know, like uh-huh. people like, uh, like Gio or Colin or like, yeah. um, you know, people I imagine like you... Uh, you know, are all part of like a, a you know, again, community action center or like, you know, this idea of like a, a kind of crew uh, yeah, or we're an, an intimate. We're describing them as performers, but I feel like that's not quite right. There's. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, there's all kinds of, I mean, the thing I don't like to say is character. Um, I tend to call I, actors to me implies that there's, um, Actually, that I think there's some kind of distance in the relationship. Like an actor's gen- tends to be for hire, and right. it's not that I don't pay the people I work with. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but someone who's acted upon, like yeah, that they um that they they're they have their primary talent is in um you know um the ability to fabricate an emotion or like these other you know there's like an actual skill set in that and yeah. that. I'm also not interested in like a convincing performance per se. Right. Right. So <laughs> it's like you're not asking someone to not be themselves in a way. Right. So when I asked so the way I would direct a scene like that with, with Simon is I was like, okay, here's the lipstick. Here's the mirror. Here's your outfit. Here's the lines. It's like, I know you can do this, <laughs> you know, but it's also not a co- I am not setting up a super complicated set of gestures. And yeah. we might in that, that case I did roll a couple times. There's often times when I, set up things and it's just like whatever happens in the time and then I just take that material and it edits into something yeah um but yeah I I want I actually have someone do it enough times that it just whatever the set of engagements is becomes fluid enough that it's not you know it's like that line between a performance being kind of I don't need a perfect performance but I do want it to feel like um, it is kind of just happening. Yeah. It's, like it's, it's embodied. In it feels embodied enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. With uh, This is maybe a weird question and without obviously getting into specifics, like have you ever had a person that you give instructions or give sort of frame, a framework, do something that you're like, no, no, mm-hmm. like there's all kinds of stuff it, that didn't make it in. Cut it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. And I think that's also the risk that one takes by like not using, uh, you know, because I, I work with talent based intimacy, intimacy based talent <laughs> rather that's than a great phrase. Yeah, that's, maybe we can. <laughs> that's the name of my talent agency. I- yeah. B-T. IBT. Yeah. yeah. IBTs. <laughs> totally. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of times. And I, I tend to try and work with people who, ha- who have some performance practice. Um, sometimes I don't. Uh, I tend to know or I give people uh, their um, character, which, again, I don't feel weird about using that word, um, the thing that they represent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, um, 
um, is often somewhat derived from their pers- personality, personhood in some way. Yeah. You know, I, I'm I'm co-inventing the space that they occupy. So... It's the sculptor I, in you. I, I don't know if that's the sculptor in me. <laughs> the collaborator in me, I think. But yeah. it, it definitely would be a very different project and maybe sort of antithetical to the aims of the project to say to give someone a totally different persona and just kind of tell them that that's who they are and like yeah that they have to perform quote unquote again in quotes right well i think i i you know sometimes by costuming or situating someone in an awkward situation they are displaced they're certainly not in a situation that is their own but but they do have to um um they do have to find a certain comfort in that space before I think that kind of what's going on works for me, yeah. I guess. So I I'm just looking for them to find their comfort zone. That sounds really hard for porn. Like, well, amateur. you kind of have to disappear as a camera. I think that's the thing. Right. Um, and yeah. And I think also, I mean, with the porn, pornographic content, uh, and the scenes that were more explicit, I mean, you have to understand that also, not that all of us, I wouldn't, there's no like everyone has had sex with everyone, but there is, there's a certain, ex, there's a certain way that the intimacy based talent, <laughs> intimacy based talent. Yeah, it's, there's various grouping, like we, as in particularly a lot of queer women, and a, like, the the homo the homo socializing that we do uh you know nudity is not or partial nudity is not a new thing for most of us yeah. in relation to each other like spending at least fire island beach time i don't know yeah totally. there's just like i do think that culturally you know um a lot of people and i would dare say a more heteronormative selection of the population yeah uh don't spend a lot of time like cohabitating nude or partially nude or the, that kind of as, at least as adults you know like mm-hmm. the, yeah, yeah totally. it's like a thing that stops at childhood or yeah, something weird maybe you know? people in college like for a second <laughs> but then they're like they grow or they quote-unquote grow up right you know or it's a transgressive act yeah it's a yeah going for it yeah and um yeah and there's a kind of body ease that was that was already in the room like we, we're just not we're, most of us are not that hung up on the sex and sexuality we are all very open about what we're mm-hmm. doing and what's happening and who's doing what it's not yeah but you're right it's the camera that is like the sticking point like <laughs> the, even yeah, the when we record was... with people <laughs> i feel like there's a certain kind of you know it's audio but there's a certain people are very aware yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's very hard, hard to get rid to of that. that and literally every single time we record um as soon as the mics are turned off the good conversation happens. It's right. Yeah. It's incredible. Anyways, uh, mm, so directing again. Uh, mm, I just, I just don't feel like we directed it. Yeah, it just sort of is more of like a. Well, it didn't ha- just happen yeah. either. Obviously, it doesn't just happen. But. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing that where we really put ourselves into it, and it's still how I work, yeah. the place where there's like the control sets in is the editing room. Mm-hmm. Interesting, yeah. Right? 
So it's like the shooting or like what is staged and like, you know, we'd have an idea. We were like, we need a witch scene. Like we'd have all these tropes and things that we wanted to pull on and we'd know who that person was that we thought would best embody that. And if they would say yes, which they did, then then in a way we didn't have to do that much for them to embody that because we already knew that they – they knew but this is also that's what i mean there's a kind of like we all we we have a really strong sense we've been all working together in various ways conversing with each other over many years we're starting we're starting at the point of directing from like a really there's a common conversation going on Mm -hmm. that sort of didn't require a certain baseline like this is the agenda and the idea like you know the tropes we're playing with yeah already like you know what that means you know that we're we all kind of think it's a little bit funny and a little bit serious like like so we never like explained all of those things to someone yeah you know and then i would be more in charge of props so i just bring a bunch of sh- crap from the studio uh, you know that like depending on what the scene was and sometimes people self-styled sometimes we work together on what that visuals and that component would be and then um you would pick a site so it's not so dissimilar to what i'm doing now in terms of like choosing the site choosing the person choosing the kind of materials and the aesthetic arrangement mm-hmm. and then what kind of starts to happen within the scene once you've set up a place that holds that holds those elements you know you're things good. start to happen. And then we also just allow things to be jokey and play around. You know, um, I like, for example, the witch scene. There was a notion, there was discussion that there had to be a pizza boy in this whole thing. <laughs> and then we were like, oh, no, we're going to do the pizza scene. And like we had a pizza box, but we were like, oh, it's it was just like an empty pizza box. <laughs> and then we were just like, what are we just going to do an empty pizza box? And then we, we happened to find like a pile of fake hair. We're like, oh, my God, hair pie. You know, it's like. I don't think we could have planned that. Like that was like, it's at the moment and the energy of working with people who, you know, are just game to be weird and joke with you and yeah, totally. allow something to happen. And then, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that so, weird tension between improvisation and getting people who are good at that and game. And then the editing yeah. of sort of like tying that, tying those disparate little pockets of amazing footage right and i also think as two people trying to direct something it it worked much better to not have this like strict agenda because then there was nothing to argue over right because we didn't know what was going to happen it's almost like a private i mean it it makes me think about the way that like with humor i mean it helps so much to like know exactly like who the audience of your thing is so it's like you're collaborating with someone you guys have a kind of dynamic and relationship and then something that starts as a very private kind of joke and uh, by do its specificity, like become something really large and uh, resonant. Uh, yeah, miraculously, I don't yeah. know how. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say, like the intense part of dialoguing for the two of us didn't actually come down until the editing, and then it was like, whoa, that part was a bear. Not because it was hard for us to like dialogue and figure yeah. that out, but it's like that's a treacherous space, so, especially when you just shoot anything. Yeah, totally. And it's not you're like, what the fuck is this so much supposed, work that could supposed be... to look like? And you're like, well, I think I like that, and you like that, and and it's so there was a thing for me like after doing being in this super intensive space between that and wage collaboratively, I was like, 
they were very positive collaborative experiences, but yeah. I was like, I need to just not have to negotiate Quite something. So yeah. And, and like I said, not because it's bad, just because I wanted the space to like, um, just make a decision. Yeah. Well, it's a totally different kind of energy. That yeah. Takes and, out of you. Uh, yeah. And then I'm also interested in staging to a certain degree. Like Steiner's very much not interested in staging things. Yeah. So we meet like to me, community action center is that that space between like spontaneous documentary style work and which is very Steiner and more staged, um, sort of theatrical fantasy, yeah. which is more my space. If we had to like own Put something the, in yeah, it, yeah. I guess. But I, I don't. I still, I don't really think you could divide it that evenly. But, um, <laughs> but I. So I think in the work since like the smeary spot and living room and these kind of things there's a uh yeah the staging i think is a is more c- controlled to a certain degree yeah and, and especially those black bo- theater black box theater scenes were probably the most staged i've ever worked Interesting. so yeah. but yeah so yeah. it works in that kind of spectrum i guess of hmm. directing but it almost call it, that. it did feel like have you seen dogville yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i know which is funny i uh i never really intended to do a black the black box thing came in as a secondary wave of like understanding the work um and it's funny i also had to i had gotten the thing had su- suddenly taken on a scale in which i was like oh god i have to think about lighting like i've never I've also right, like very intentionally different. like never worked with lighting, never worked with um, DPs. Like I just don't. Everything has always been so DIY, and yeah. I was like really stumbling into like my chaos has to get translated to other people uh, as as you mm-hmm. scale into working that way. Yeah, and, totally. uh, <laughs> and so I did have to. I was like, what kind of lighting? I was like, oh, no. And so Do- <laughs> Dogville ended up coming up as like I was like, well, it's that kind of bland. Dogville light. Yeah. S- sunlight yeah. light. I don't know. You know, like we talk, I don't know. It got a little more specific than that, but. Obviously um, very different um, but it, sociopolitical agendas. But it does have that same, uh, it has a similar feeling of sort of an almost an edge of commentary or not commentary, but sort of a self-reflexivity in terms of the way that you're doing it. It's like mm-hmm. intentionally theatrical and mm-hmm. um gestural in in mm. that sort of like self-reflexive I guess is like the only way that I can think of mm-hmm. describing it yeah I mean I was interested in the apparatus of the theater kind of getting exposed at various points but um you know this the theater um I mean, I guess it operates metaphorically for Dogville as well. I'm trying to think like, I don't know what the difference, I mean, to me, the difference is really like, act- he's got actors. Right. Like, mm-hmm. the- it's very clear that he's staging a narrative. Like he- to There's me, like a he's, story he's like- really working that space between theater and film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I don't know if my work is even theater or film. It just happens to be on right. video. Yeah. Like again, like it. It's like it, that and some third thing or like, or yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. it touches on theater maybe more than film in my mind, but yeah. I don't know. You're right. It's like on di- opposite ends of the overdetermined spectrum. Like his work, it's very <laughs> yeah. hard to sort of. I'm on uh, the other end of overdetermined <laughs> spectrum. I like that. Um, should we take a break for a second? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, because you were saying earlier that you, if, if anything, you 
identify it quote unquote as like as, a, as an art like that the um, sculptural practice like seems like something that both uh, kind of goes do the work to a certain extent but maybe is not as often talked about or is like less um, clearly pedagogical in its like nature or something but, so, but I'm super interested because I feel like the uh, I mean at least the work that I've sort of seen which involves like often like printed photos or like kind of uh, like images that have been um, like warped or uh, like kind of falling on each other uh, on like a wall or like a, a gate like through the center of like a room or uh, it's, it's right. interesting it's I, so I'd be interested to hear like how uh, yeah as you kind of conceive as the relation between these practices um, um yeah I so so I think that I come at all of the work first and foremost through the body um even though it's got all this heady nonsense in it yeah <laughs> um not our words <laughs> and uh I, or I don't know if it's first and foremost, but yeah, I really like, so, because I would say even the theoretical components for me stem from, like I said, occupying the body that I occupy. Yeah. Right. So um, I see the body as a, as a, as a something that's, um, it moves through the world socially, politically, physically, materially. You know, it, it has all these kind of, um, and so I, I I guess the work is always touching on all of those elements. Like the body allows me as an entry point to all of those things. Yeah. And so like when I'm doing video work, for example, one rule that I have is to not um, show video um, just like on a wall, like because there's a there's like a idea about film that it just like needs to get projected and then you're done yeah right and i'm like the screen's like invisible in this way yeah and yeah it's the screen supposedly or like the architecture isn't there it's a little bit of a like a white wall notion a white cube notion where it's like oh it's neutral right 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 yeah exactly exactly. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like you could just ignore it um uh so um in general i don't take anything for granted in that sense um because i don't believe that anything is actually just neutral neutral or given um and that that's actually very much a choice and so um uh like with a smeary spot and with living room um the screens were oriented in very specific ways right so with smeary spot you have this horizontal orientation of the three screens and they're all the same size we tried them bigger, we tried them smaller, um, and they, for, it's hard, I, didn't, I don't know if I can explain it all, but there becomes a physical moment where you're like, this image is at the right scale. Yeah. And, and I actually have to do, I don't like just decide on a size. I actually sit there and I look at it at all the different sizes and I can feel like in, in my body your, yeah. when it's at the right scale. Interesting. Um, and and that's really important to me that it, an image feels like it's at the right scale. Yeah. Um, and then um, because I it, it's the first installation when it was at um, participant, for mm-hmm. example, that space is very kind of long and narrow. It's like kind of like a wide hallway. Yeah. And it 
created all kinds of weird problems for um, uh, projection distances. Like, mm-hmm. it's like not a, unless you go sort of the long way, but then having three screens right. at the I scale would... I wanted them kind of didn't work. So there's also this thing where the architecture of that space started to um, dictate certain things, right? And then I, I'm, oh, because I realized it really kind of, shooting it to the wall would have been the easiest thing to do. It would have solved all my problems. But I was like, but then it's just fucking on the wall. And that's not what I'm doing. And so I had this moment of just realizing that if those screens just tipped off the wall at like a 10 degree angle, they just, it was as if the the wall had skewed itself. Yeah. The whole room would kind of just like twist a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you would become aware that, that the image was a very physical presence right yeah. and that you had to acknowledge it as a as a physical thing and that's also where sound becomes really an acute thing for me so in that one for example there's six channels of sound which means two pairs for each screen mm-hmm. and it's a pretty elaborate orchestration of movement like sometimes all three channels are i mean sorry all six channels are active or three, all three pairs are right. active. <laughs> um, sometimes the two pairs on the left, sometimes just the one on the right. And <clears throat> they're set up so that your attention, like because you could have a screen on the left active and a screen on the right active, or you could have all th- three screens. And that's, it's not like because the screen is active, the sound is active, yeah. right? So I'm also thinking about where I want your attention to be drawn because sound will physically move you in a space. And I wanted the body of the viewer to suddenly be aware that they they're not they're not just a passive recipient of content either your body in the room is doing something um so uh so do you kind of just standardly in your show like they like allow for a certain amount of time where you're just like okay i have to like be there with the screens and the sound and i'm very intense about installation yeah yeah. no it's just i mean i don't just like send a video off and be like can you install this and here's the parameters how many days do you like allow for or like what's like so for as many as they'll give me yeah as many as they'll give you yeah (laughs) i mean with with um participant i was because it was a september show they were allowed to they allowed me to be in there for um august august which was huge and especially for the first installation so like now that i know that's the installation it's always about the horizontal screens but i still need to understand how that diagonal cuts in whatever kind of different kinds of rooms i'm in how sound is held in a different kind of room like um so in terms of film right like that those are kind of i think more sculptural or physical problems mm-hmm. than most people think about i, I think mm-hmm. yeah with video <laughs> and um and will you reconfigure this the like timing of the sound like depending on the space or is that kind of consistent? no yeah. i have to like cut it off somewhere I yeah, yeah. Mind. it's limit, too yeah. many there's too many but you're, but you're there. yeah it's like the, the video the edit never changes and the sound never changes it's just about understanding architecture as its own physical presence mm-hmm. and that i'm interrupting that architecture by setting up a the um screens and the sound so i I take that on as like a a sculptural problem so there's the physicality of the space which changes there's the physicality of the image object or whatever the Mm -hmm. given pieces and then there's actually sort of implicitly your own physicality as someone who's inhabited the space and dealt with those problems and then there's the physicality of the viewer that moves within it yeah so it's I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense in that 
in that way of thinking of it as deeply installation based and right. like about which is an extension of sculptural thinking right. i think right yeah yeah um and then i think with the things that are more obviously objecty based yeah. that people would term sculpture sure sure yeah <laughs> um <laughs> Um, sometimes I'm doing things that are very obvious, like I think with the gate series of fences, yeah. the known unknown fences, you know, and that built off of the scene with the lipstick. For me, it mm-hmm. was kind of an, uh, I'm making a lot of works right now that I, I don't know that they're like the negative, they're not, they don't have to concretely be like, this is everything that is negative space. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, cause I really see the video series as that. Um, but I'm interested in using the thinking that's going on in that as as an avenue to, well, just, I just always, I want to produce all kinds. I just don't know how to only produce one thing. Yeah, totally. So I am also using this project very much as this holder of a lot of ideas and a way for me to like have an excuse to be as weird and complicated as I am. Yeah. Uh, the art world doesn't really love that kind of, kind of no, they chaos hate it. Yeah. in a practice. <laughs> <laughs> so... I don't know if it's made it easier for anyone else, but it's made it easier for me to, to like kind of feel of like it's, there's a bigger fluid, fluidity or like I don't feel like I have to like burden myself with the question of like, is this a legitimate thing to make? If I've already made these things, will they, is this my practice? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, this sort of nonsense that we get ingrained with is like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but to go back to, I mean, I, I, those fences are really interesting to me. Like, do they, so just to like focus on them maybe for a second, like, uh-huh. so like, is that... Um, like, are they found or do you kind of fabricate them? Like, at what point do they kind of come out of the design of the, of the video and then get separated, uh, outward? But well, I, I came to the thinking around them through doing the video work. Yeah. Uh, and then, and I was also this whole notion of the known and the unknown and this, the void. And I, again, I'd have to go down that thread and I'm not going to go there right now, but like that kind of language and thinking was, also part of the work um i don't know i just i had that thing where i was like i don't want to see this language embedded in a fence i don't know i don't even know if i saw a fence with some kind of decoration i just i think that the fence and the border and the wall was just already this image that was kind of yeah grating on me and then the notion that you could do something with fencing structurally would be like this to, porous to embed language into it. So then, and I will admit that I, I have an undergrad degree in graphic design. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it took us this long to get it out of you. <laughs> and so there are moments in which that little thing creeps back into my world. Um, so I, I do have a, a, a secret and deep love for typography. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, because just, just to explain for people who haven't seen the, like the the fences, I mean, they look like they're maybe, I don't know, four feet long, maybe, or like, you know, they're... Yeah, I think there's more like six-ish. Yeah, but about, the, and then... And they're probably like three or so feet high. I don't remember the measurements. Yeah, yeah. They're directly mimicked off of the fencing that happens in all over New York City, the, the kind of black, yeah, m- layered, painted... Classic. Uh, classic. Classic New fencing. York fencing. So all the scale and sizing and dimension is totally based on that. Okay. I just appropriated it. Right. The crowd control ones? Like the ones that you see at protests? No, like what's like right I, outside like your a, door. Yeah. Like at apartments. Oh. Apartment. All the apart. You know the black fencing uh-huh. that's around everybody's apartment? Yeah, yeah. But then they have like, cert- they have some elements that at least read 
like as I mean, is, is the entire thing like based or because or is well, there scale like a, scale wise scale wise right, and yeah. like the size of all the like in the spacing and the right the structure of it is an exact kind of mimicking of that right. Um, and then I I that th- those things went through a lot like they got painted they actually had the like I'm an overpainted like New York fence at one point cool and it just. I can't explain why it didn't work. It just didn't. It was like, it, it was the moment where like, you know, you're appropriating something and then you're like, what this wants to be is like a, a, a tweak on that thing. It doesn't actually want to fully embody the thing. Yeah, it yeah. Just, or you're becomes, not like recreating it. Like, yeah, like, or the trope outweighs the like kind of weird investigation you've gotten yourself into. Again, this is the art things where you're like, I don't know how these things happen. But no, totally. It, it, it reminds me of what you're saying about actors in a way. Where it's like yeah, you, don't, you don't want the thing to affectation like, yeah, to be this like, like over affected. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it had just gotten to that point. So they had to get stripped down. I mean, it was like kind of a nightmare. I wish I had been able to figure it out without the amount of excess labor that was involved in it. Um, but I think um, I had someone else. I had so those those I had designed and had someone build and yeah. I rarely have anyone else build my work but um the skill set I can weld yeah. very on a basic level but the skill set for those was like just required a different Pretty level clean. Uh, of yeah yeah <laughs> of work and I I sandblasted them because I actually thought I was going to do something else with the surface um and I got them back sandblasted and I was like these are kind of gorgeous as just like the raw metal yeah. and also it, I really liked that metal when it's sandblasted or it's kind of it's at its most exposed state and it's very vulnerable to like rust and um it's it's kind of volatile it's very alive at that state Uh and actually they're not gonna be always gray so they're Hmm. gonna kind of change with time and i'm kind of interested and i one of them is i think gonna end up living outdoors oh cool um so but they're they're gonna be I don't know what they're gonna be like in twenty years. Yeah. Um. And so I actually got really interested in the sort of liveness of the material, and I I don't know I don't know if I can put like a neat bow on the conceptual reasoning for that. Yeah. In relation to <laughs> no no it's, the it's known and the nothing. unknown, yeah. but I do think that there's some space in that like. Um yeah the kind of that it's a little volatile and it's not certain and it's not fixed yeah. which is this kind of unknown thing that I, I i like that that's actually what's become of the surface of it um but again like the thing is, is my process tends to be very labor intensive because i don't like have an idea and then execute it yeah i was gonna say I, is that is that like kind of standard like operating procedure for you like where you, you like make something you have to see it and then you make further decision or like alter it i make it on. as hard as possible for yeah. myself yes which is cool it's, <laughs> yeah it's a real AD, it, add thing <laughs> but it's like i i need to know i need to know something about its physical presence usually to make real decisions yeah. like i just that's uh, um i this pre-planning like the um storyboarding is right. this artificial i just it does has no logic to me with how one understands the world and understands something if you really it's interesting yeah uh, and i and i and i also believe that good art kind of translates its making like it's felt yeah and and that i'm i'm interested in the like 
fact that the work got was were had a process to it like i think it's that it wasn't just an idea that's well executed right it's arrived at through a like kind of yeah yeah process that transforms it inherently somehow yeah um and then of course those works are situated they're they're meant to be situated in a way that they, they're not supposed to touch another wall or um they're not actually allowed to um block a space off oh interesting um they always have to be installed where they're kind of freestanding mm-hmm. because they want you to have to have the possibility that you might approach it from any side or that there you don't that you don't there's no way to know whether you're in or out, mm-hmm. right? Again, in your like relationship sign. to it, which is also why the text moves in both directions. Ah, like, okay. can, like the it'll be like known in one direction, and then the unknown runs the other direction. Right, right. So you sort of have to read it from both sides, although we're capable like of reading from one of, side. Uh, <laughs> manipulating or not manipulating, but it's another way of sort of like engaging with the the viewer's physical presence. Like, yeah, moving. and so that like that's a that's a work that is really. Uh, more overtly about like how a body operates in a space yeah much like the video work the things on the wall have kind of a different relationship too I feel like I'm rambling on and on so no no I I was tempted to almost like make the excessive labor uh, transition into wage but um... (laughs) it is a good transition into wage actually (laughs) maybe we should just go with that which Which is uh, yeah. If you're yeah. billing uh, institution hourly, <laughs> yeah. No, I. Yeah. Uh, it's like the um, least efficient um, method for production possible. Yeah, but that's all right. Uh, yeah, that's why I make art because um, <laughs> there's no other um, profession in which that is. Um, it's. I don't even know if it's really viable as an artist, but it. Well, because it's, it's like the only place you can kind of get away with it. <laughs> it's like the opposite of capitalism in a way, because yeah. it's like the one. I mean, I, I at least like you know, it's it's the one thing that's kind of thwarting that logic where you're you're making something more in the production of something more inefficient rather mm-hmm. than like more strictly kind of efficient and a sort of profit motive, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, so so let's let's talk about wage, which um, you know <laughs> is a is a project that is. I mean, it's uh, like kind of crucial and super important, and a lot. I think a lot of people. Yeah, are, yeah. no, absolutely. I mean, I I still um, am. I, I think it's profound to, in many ways, like how how it's precipitated since its genesis yeah. in two thousand and eight. Um, it's certainly not anything I th- we could. You know, again, Steiner and I um, and a few other people who were involved in that, I think Kate Hardy and I remember Sharon Hayes was at an early meeting. um, Yeah, it's somebody needs to write down this history properly, probably. But uh, the the writing of the manifesto, um, you know, really came from a similar mode that community action center did which was like great gripey um rants yeah <laughs> and and so i think i remember steiner being like i you know she had just gotten back from installing something in europe and had actually been paid for it and was like i just don't understand i can't believe it. and i was like yeah i know and we're like discussing like why is it possible and why isn't this possible and like and that also i think at that point in two this was early 2008 prior collapse so we're actually uh-huh. at an economic we're right boom at the precipice there yeah we're at a peak yeah 
when we're writing this. Um, it's interesting. And it, it was clear that certain people were profiting in the art world, but that m- when we looked around, at least at our peers or most of the people who were, um, you know, really um, do- also doing significant cultural labor and yeah. um, participating, uh, that there was no equation between like uh, your cultural value and like the the capital value that you might get yeah. unless you had a certain kind of practice and you were using the system in certain ways and blah blah blah. There's sure. there's avenues and if you're gung ho about that as your mo in the world, that's fine. But like that doesn't leave a lot of space for a diversity of um, thinking and practices, which should be the ultimate goal of any cultural um of cultural institutions which are there to service and support cultural production yeah totally essentially right like um and i think all you you could ask any institution they would be like oh yeah diversity that's what we're here for like yeah, yeah. you know like of course you know they have to write that into their grant <laughs> application <laughs> even if they don't fulfill it in any actual you know in yeah. actuality um so um, it seemed like a, a system that had been gamed only to um, maintain certain uh, kind of certain hegemony within cultural production. Yeah. And that if there was going to be any change in that hegemony, that there had to be a change in the way we perceived um, labor and remuneration within cultural production. And then it became a kind of this direct logic between, okay, well, there's those people who are successful in the commercial market and that's fine the commercial market has all kinds of problems but um at least there's a system of remuneration that exists uh faulty as it is and but when you work with nonprofits, it's just like not it's not even a that it was it was at that point for the most part not not a conversation yeah you might get an artist fee which meant that here's 500 bucks go to town and produce that whole thing. Right, we, like, we invited you. You weren't even going to make that work. We've invited you here to do this whole thing. And uh, it's probably going to put you thousands of dollars in debt. And then, uh, you know, it, you're not getting paid yeah, from right, that $500 right. That's for like, sure. No, yeah. you're subsidizing um, the other jobs that you have to make that work happen. Exactly. Right? And you should thank us. That, yeah. <laughs> you should thank us for inviting you to, to have your presence acknowledged within the you know uh uh this institution of reputable standing right right <laughs> well it also just makes it makes me think too about like how i mean just like in i mean around 2008 but certainly like now how much like even i mean large institutions have moved towards this kind of more performance or mm-hmm. even like commute like you know uh, institutions now have like all spaces that where people can come do things uh you know and kind of want to be more of like a like hangout or kind of you know mall sort of. I mean, I feel like that's how MoMA was redesigned at least initially, and now of course like. And it's supposed to be this very progressive or even yeah. progressive gesture. Exactly, action. but yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're not. you know almost like building community through institutions, but that mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and how uh, yeah, and just how insidiously that kind of plays into what you were talking mm-hmm. about ten years ago, where like the idea of remuneration was like super different, or at least like. <laughs> And it's even interesting to think about in comparison to like professional musicians. Like I have a friend who works kind of in the fringes, or not the fringes, but works in the crossover between performance art and um, just straight 
musical performance. And the expectation that you would go and do a show and not get paid just like doesn't exist Mm-mm. in that world. Yeah. No. <laughs> not at I mean, all. You're not getting paid much. No. But... A- other, all, pretty much all other art forms, actors, uh, that you know, they have a union, they have guild, they have a lot of infrastructure for payment. There's again all kinds of problems. There's problems with every single one of these, yeah. but at least a, a system of payment is acknowledged as a baseline. Yeah. Right. Like so, we were starting from like not even acknowledging that there was labor happening. Yeah, and yeah, that right. There would totally. need to be so <laughs> there might need to even be remuneration <laughs> of any kind. So it was like. When we kind of dawned on us that it was like such an infantile level of awareness that needed to shift, let alone a a greater, like, how do you even begin to solve a problem or what does it even look like? Um, You know, I think Wage sort of incidentally ended up being like a, um, uh, you're going to have to edit this together. What's in the 70s when you... Consciousness raising. Oh. oh. Yeah, yeah. We were never going to get there. No. <laughs> yeah, so Wage ins- became like a basically a consciousness raising organization yeah. really quickly because it became clear after the first speeches we gave publicly that we had just blown open a, a, a chasm of silence yeah, that so everyone was suffering under and no one was articulating. Maybe talk about like, so, so from, cause it started, I mean, it started through like a series of meetings and then like, or just maybe kind of take us through like what the, that early, like how Well, it the very, like very early to... was literally just so sitting around writing and like writing the Will Manifesto as we called it. Yeah. And, um, and so we wrote that and that was it. We just like, okay, we have a manifesto. This That's is hysterical. Start. Great. <laughs> <laughs> you guys and, sound like you have a lot of fun. Yeah. Else. <laughs> oh, for that. sure. I think having fun is essential in everything. Like, especially because it's actually so hard what we all do. Yeah. Uh, right? Like, totally. yeah, you got to have more fun. Always. <laughs> and where did the manifesto go? I mean, where does it, where did it live initially? Oh, I think I maybe on someone's computer. I don't remember. It was just like we wrote it. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. And then um, I think about six months after writing it, um, I think it was Kate Hardy had gotten an invitation to um, create uh, Creative Time Summit. I think it might have been the first year of the summit. Oh, it might have been the second summit. I can't remember. Oh. But it was right before. So it's a 2008, right before the obama election right before the crash um and yeah and they were kicking off that summit they had asked hardy and hardy was like well i have this you know project that's maybe a project i have a manifesto (laughs) like there's like this thing brewing but we don't know what it is but like um like she was like i don't what am i going to present she was like well what i have to present is i have this group of people i'm working with that we're all thinking about something, so yeah. uh, we use that as a as a moment to write, sp- sp- like basically because it was public speaking, so there had to be speeches. <laughs> <laughs> um, so each one of us wrote a speech about the the politics of wage or the things that we had been just sort of loosely discussing by just having the the, the discussion at all. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember before we went. Um, out to give the talks, we were all like, "Is this the end of our art careers?" <laughs> like, it was literally like, right, was, "Are we I gonna mean, we're gonna stand up in front of the art world and be like and shame them 
for how they've been operating for the last several hundred years yeah, in yeah. the United States, you know, like, <laughs> and, and in front of a, 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 the people who are in charge of making those decisions. Right. Uh, in, in some case, like for as some of the audience is and was. Uh, but they must have known what they were in for when you were like, we well, have this manifesto. It's No, no, ex- no. Well, we, I don't think they even asked us... I think we told them we had this thing called Wage. Yeah. We had named our, we gave ourselves a name at that point. <laughs> also, Wage had like five different names. At one point, it was W A A A A A G G E E or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was like a version of it where it was like a really long acronym, and then it, we like were like, okay, if it's really going to be taken seriously, we have to actually treat it like. There was one moments a. where we kept being like, oh, we're going to take this seriously, and we kind of like, right solidify things and so it's like as people took us seriously we took it more seriously and it was there it kind, kind of, of was evolved, part of that conversation as like whether is this going to be something that like will be more of like an artistic project as opposed to or like something like as opposed to something that's like more legible as like i don't think any of us ever thought it was an art project right yeah so like, um it was we were uh angry we had found an outlet we seemed to have a way of articulating it that um was resonant for other people mm-hmm. um and i i think the the original mission of just like um talking giving speeches and like we just started getting invitations to do interviews to like go talk at colleges like Did the whole thing you? just kind of rolled out of oh yeah well that's the <laughs> other thing we didn't do anything unless we got paid right and then and then what we would do because it it was also this collective project that no one really owned. So we, we, I don't remember when we opened a bank account, but it, pretty early on we just started. If we got money from it, we didn't take it as individuals. We just had a wage account. Interesting, yeah. So that also started to give us a like, because then we were like, oh, we're going to need a website. Who's going to pay for the website? Like, so it kind of self-facilitated just through us giving talks and stuff like that. It, yeah, and not that it was we're talking like a couple hundred dollars that give you enough money to right, right. it's not like big money but it was like <laughs> like something we had a way to kind of and it was not we would have meeting like at a certain point also when it really started taking off and it really became like a lot of labor to like maintain like okay we've gotten 50 emails this week and what are we doing and who wants this and what's going to happen next and like um you know we were never getting paid to do that right so that's the irony of it it was all free labor just to, to, to do wage for the first until we became a nonprofit, which was 2012. So the first four years was all free labor or the labor went into self-sustaining just like the infrastructure as it were. Yeah. Or I think also we had a policy that you could, you could keep like, if you got $200, like you kept a hundred and a hundred went into wage or I think we were getting paid if you gave a talk or something. We had some system where you got something, but not the time that was spent to just like, keep it organized right um anyways <laughs> yeah um oh what, what was next you well, just want to talk about the timeline yeah or just like and then i mean so there was that aspect of it yeah. and then it, it pretty quickly became clear that um we had to move out you know we're a tight-knit group of friends collaborators thinkers yeah uh, and we didn't want it to become like uh it was not an art project and we did not want it to become like, Oh, the like, just this crew, this lesbian crew. That's like, <laughs> right, yeah. um, becomes known for this thing. And so we were like, this thing has to go, it has to get outside of us. So that's when we started doing the meetings at Judson church. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, uh, 
and those I cannot remember how I'm going to say six months I think we did a year or so of and when was that around two I'm going to say the think the thirst the thirst the first one was early 2009 I believe it was either the very like this it was either December 2008 or it was like early 2009 okay. the first um Judson um, yeah. meetings happened um and those were very fruitful because a lot of great ideas came out of it, like um, the, uh, um, what was it, the um, wage survey that we ended up doing right. was an initial idea mm-hmm. that came out of that space. Um, I think certification came a little bit later as a concept. Um, but uh, But also the meetings started to have this thing where we – you know, there'd be some core people that would start to come to all of them, and there's always new people, and then yeah. people who didn't come again, which is just the nature of like an open forum of meetings. Yeah. And predominantly, what would happen in the in the meetings was it really turned into like um, uh, therapy. Mm-hmm. Like everybody had been so burnt right. for so long that just having this place where people or artists were communing where there was an honesty about how money works in the art world. Yeah. It was, I think, just a huge relief for a lot of people. So it was amazing in terms of that kind of dialogue and the stories and the narratives and not feeling alone in that. And But it also felt very hard to actually organize or do anything. Right. Um, so it was like we were maintaining just like d- doing the lecturing and keeping... Spreading uh, awareness, at least. Or like, yeah, just like... Yeah yeah what what is this thing and then but it also became clear that there was such a big problem and it affected everyone essentially and everyone was frustrated and as soon as you said the thing then everybody wanted it to change yeah and that shit that we were going to be responsible for changing that because now we'd open the can of worms totally it's like, oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and that the only way to like change that would be to like you know really structurally organized in some way and it became really hard to get an amorphous group of people to consistently function and function and get something done yeah also none of us come from like uh i think some people are better equipped for this who may have like real experience with um activism and organizing large groups and like act up models and things like this and i i think in retrospect possibly we could have sorted these things out in another way but i also worry i do believe that wage may have like imploded at different points had we not interesting yeah kind of re-coalesced so it's like we would what we started doing was like doing strategic public events and then keeping the core group of um whoever you know to to um to really just actually get something done because then certification and these kind of and the um survey and all this stuff really came to the table and became like viable things that needed to get done right um and i would say uh in those early meetings lisa Skolny started to show up and was one of the few people who st- stayed kind of committed to the work mm-hmm. so it was like steiner myself hardy and then um i don't remember how far into it before lisa became part of the core grouping yeah um but it was, it was it was closer to the 2012 because I remember around 2012 we'd been in it for four four years the three of us, yeah. and all of us were like 
really burnt like burnout oh gosh, about yeah. maintaining it yeah. and our practices were shifting uh, other commitments teaching yeah uh anyways the labor of love <laughs> was a, such a labor well it's i mean yeah it's exhausting yeah. it's, it's yeah. like exhausting being i mean being in a kind of constant critical relationship to something that like you are like living in is, well yeah you know. and i didn't and i just think none of us getting into it initially realized we were going to be like managing something that really had legs and and needed to have legs yeah. you know again it was like we were just thought we were bitching moaning <laughs> about something so yeah and there's a kind of transition period i would say from about 2011 to 12 well it took us a year to get the I, it might have even started around 2010 i don't know yeah. when like kind of lease enters we're kind of becoming more the weight weary and she she's got fresh energy for it yeah. and like um i don't know so there was a kind of transition period where once we decided we needed to be a nonprofit and that we were going to take certification as like an actual yeah. thing. Do you want to talk to me about like what, just like for people to know, like what certification is or, or sort of means and how it functions. And um... Right. So certification is a notion a little bit. Um, I like to make the analogy of like five-star energy saver. Yeah. Or um, one of these kind of capitalist ways of. Um, like or, the word organic. The word organic. <laughs> Um, we can talk about how problematic that is. Yeah. Um, I'm open to that critique. Um, but um, I think the thing we were running into is like, we were also basing the model of, of how we were thinking about wage, like on um, uh, on Canada's model. Uh, the acronym. I know but I wrote it down uh, and then it's cut off from my printer. CARFAC. Ah. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so Carfac, um, but the thing with some other like European and in particular the Canadian model, Carfac was uh, that uh, the the government funds mm. such a large percentage. They get so little funding from private sources yeah. that if the government says we're not giving you funding, it actually affects. Um, what what a institution can and will do. Yeah. So they have a kind of control that they can uh, that can come from uh, a governmental level. Which um, you know, I think there's a lot of romanticizing here about socialists um, mm. funding for funding yeah. and governments and the way that they work. And uh, having spoken with a lot of people who are working and operating in those systems. You know, I think there's a lot of amazing things and a lot of problems. And so one of the problems comes into like, uh, you can't fund things that are, you can't fund a space that is, um, has a political agenda, for right. example. This like, right? notion of object or like Right. That, and yeah. I, we have friends in Canada who actually started a space with that agenda and they self-fund it because they wanted to make something that was outside of the, the system. What the government wanted. Or yeah. And because the government then somehow limits actually what you can do. So... Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. This whole thing. So yeah. it's um. Anyways, uh, we there's no way to work government down here. It the, mm. what is it uh, five? Yeah. Somewhere between five and fifteen to twenty percent at very max for any institution is getting government funding. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it really makes no effect. 
I mean, it makes an effect, but not in a way that's going to really transform an institution. So we had to come up with a more capitalist model for our capitalist system, which is privately funded. Yeah. Um, and, and capitalism loves to appear as if it's doing good. Totally. Uh, it, it improves one's status for the um, <laughs> great consumer, yeah. uh, even if this consumer is uh, an art viewer. So... Uh, <laughs> So yeah, the certification came out of like, just like, what is the system we're working with and how do you ask or enforce doing better? You So you want to like give, so, give the good kids cookies or something and yeah, everybody yeah. else wants the cookies just, too. Just you like know? capitalism. <laughs> just like capitalism. Um, yeah, so yeah. it's a certification program, which is... Um, it's self-initiated, like uh, organizations w- come to wage to be certified. To get certified. Um, and the and, standards for certification are? Uh, yes. And then the standards are based on the fee calculator, which you can find online at wageforwork.com. Mm-hmm. That, that's 1A. <laughs> <laughs> With 1A. Um, and is a, like a, an a elaborate and gorgeous and complicated interface um, that uh, Lise really initiated building that Um uh, and it it's a it's a scalable model based on the operating expenses of an institution. Sure. Uh, and uh, it's a fee schedule based on kind of breaking down the types of labor that happen that artists could be producing. Yeah, could be producing for an institution. Yeah, that's the simplest way to put it. It's a little more complex in that there's a lot of writing about it on on the wage website yeah. so anyone who's really interested should just like people should check it out i mean dive in and um it's um it's very thorough and again uh i would credit least with like really um putting the language to a lot of that stuff yeah like getting it to the level of like um where i think there's there's a lot of challenges in art in terms of how you define what is fairly nebulous, constantly shifting possibility of production. Yeah. Uh, where you could have a painting that takes five minutes and you can have a painting that takes 10 years. Totally. Or, or whatever, uh, sculpture, performance, any of these things. So instead of worrying about like an hour, hourly ratio to labor, it, it had to be a kind of, content yeah related ratio to labor i guess which again is like sort of puts it in the language of of like capitalism and i'm kind of clear uh yeah i mean it's funny because wage is is i think there is also a lot of questions about like you know i think a a lot of marxist and liberal discourse wants to be anti-capitalist and to do an art and and of course the art liberal arts discourse yeah. is really there's a lot of romance around like um not spending money not participating in the capitalist system and it's and wage is an interesting project in terms of actually confronting the fact that we live in an, in a capitalist system and while i have a lot of romance about wishing that i did not yeah. have to pay my rent and or these things were kind of a given. Yeah, or, absolutely. I mean, totally. <laughs> like just kind of basic human existence could be sustained by a very wealthy country. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, little tiny fantasies. Um, that's not what we live in. And as long as we do not live in it, 
there's a lot of work that needs to be done to change that. Right. And that's another agenda. But if we're going to live in a capitalist system, then how, then we have to, uh, we have to have a system for in place to operate so that we're not exploited. Yeah. Then, then we are just exploited labor. Yeah, totally. Um, Right. Wanting a more radical, uh, like government situation doesn't preclude one from like, right. Like not being fucked over in their relationship with other institutions and the status quo. Yeah. Or fucked over by capitalism. Yeah, exactly. But I'm sorry, let me be last. Like, I'm just sort of curious, like how, I mean, from that, how is like your perspective on thing, the status quo sort of changed or like over that decade? Well, I think, um, it's, I think, it's much more common that when or i've felt that like when i when i go i'm asked to do a project it's like i am actually dealing with a wage situation right now but it is rare that someone isn't like um here's your fee or that that there's a discussion of money like right up front yeah um and i don't know if other people have noticed this but i find that it's much more prevalent like or or, and I all the time I mean it's might be particular for me I don't know how everyone else experiences sure. this because people will be like oh are you going to use the wage calculator to calculate this thing and we want to pay you know people actually look at it as yeah. a model and whether or not they're um, certified a lot of people use it as a as a measure at least to see what they might want to work towards right. or like what a know, notion of fairness is. and we as, we assume that there's so many you know institutions at different scales and some institutions just really can't especially like an artist run space like this yeah. isn't about like oh well you're just you're not you're not valuable because you can't meet a wage certification totally um it's but if you are operating on a certain level you should be obligated to i think and and then i think that also there's this thing that we used to say which is like um you know sort of having having the choice to work for free right like that it's not that it's not about not working for free anymore or that there isn't kind of all kinds of labor and exchange that happen between artists and i mean people are this thing would never run if people were not putting in a lot of other kind of labor or we weren't all passionate about it yeah, to a certain totally. degree beyond nobody would be doing this for financial reasons yeah. wage is not solving anything in terms <laughs> of like it, it's not like a livable you know it's it's about you know kind of buffering something that was basically just completely exploited yeah you know so um like even if your expectations aren't being met at least you've asserted that the expectations exist and the conversation. Right. And so the conversation, I think, has been normalized. Yeah. And that, I think, is sort of one of the greatest achievements, I think, for Wage at this point. Transport, motorways, and tramlines, static.
Stretch, like turn 